the blast from our past network. Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back. This is the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me this week is Dean. Hello. 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 Uh, Welcome, Dean. Thank you. Now, if we have people who listen regularly, then they saw the title of this episode, and they know that we have a couple of special guests with us, because... Tony and Jeremy from Remote Takes have been joining us on our walkthrough of Saga, and they didn't disappoint. They are back again to help us go through this volume. So, Tony, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me with all my technical issues that I love to bring to the table. Oh, those aren't your (laughs) issues. Those issues belong to your computer. (laughs) (laughs) Which will be destroyed after this podcast. (laughs) No problem. Excellent. No problem. Uh, Jeremy, welcome to you. Thanks again for coming. Oh, it is my pleasure. I, we always have such a fun time with you guys. This is great. That's true. We also, uh, enjoy our time. It's a lot of fun. So that's why we keep having you back. So. Well, you can't do Saga without us now. We can't. We're pretty, like, we're we're entrenched. We're entrenched. Basically. Yeah. You guys have made your way in. You can do whatever you want now and we just have to keep bringing you back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, how, but like, how bad would it be if you're just sitting there, you're waiting, you see the talking back feed go up, and it's Saga Volume Five, and you're Ooh. not on it? You're like, wait, Oof. what? That'd be dis- that'd be what? disappointing. It would never happen. And you or, guys or have or like eight. special guests, uh, yeah. Joni and Teremy. That would that would really hurt. <laughs> Super special guests, Joni and Teremy. They both have really long hair. <laughs> That's great. Or maybe we could do a Saga Volume 5, and then Tony and I will just talk about Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Great. Spoil it for me. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you should see that show. I know. I listened to your last episode, and you guys were talking about it, and I'm like, man, I really have to see that show. Um, yeah. No, this is, this is fun, though. But if you're a new listener, okay, if, if you're a new listener and you read Saga, and this is a big surprise to you, you're like, who are these other people? Um, who are any of you, uh, go back and listen to the first three volumes because um, that is follow the story. That's how it should work. You should follow the story. Because I'll tell you what, I'm done recapping this uh, series. I'm not doing it anymore. Okay, so oh, we, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. I've had enough. Okay, I sat down oh, and no. I'm like, I got to sum up three volumes now? How do I do that? Oh, maybe yeah. I'll just sum up the last volume. I'm not summing up anything. I'm done. Oh. Do you want me to do it for you real quick? If you want to, sure. When we get there, I'll let you do that. Oh, it's just going to be stuff happened. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's, about, <laughs> that's about as much as I'm, I'm willing to give. It actually makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> yeah. Glad to clear that. Happy to clear that up to the I listener. Can, I can give a little bit more, but I, I like that. I like that, um, that synopsis. So yeah, check out the other uh, episodes where we do volume one, two, and three. Uh, they're lots of fun. Now we're on four. And... Yeah, what did we think of this volume? Um, actually, no. Before we get into that, I do want to say I noticed Dean has a plain green shirt on. And, you got it. And mm. I'm hoping you're about to rip that off to reveal underneath that you're wearing a Saga t-shirt like we've talked about on previous yeah. episodes. So, Dean, go ahead, yeah. rip that fake shirt off and show okay. us your Saga shirt underneath. It's just my body hair. It's nothing. There. Oh, jeez. Nothing. Nothing there. there. Well, I'll tell you what. Now I got to commit to not having a shirt. Yeah, now that's, that's your new the thing. bit. It's not having a shirt. <laughs> new thing. Well, uh, Jeremy yeah. showed up uh, to take care of that for you. Jeremy has a yeah. lovely Saga shirt with Isabel. It's very, very nice. And I said yeah. that I was going to get one too, so I did. Okay, because I knew <gasps> Dean. I knew you weren't going to do it. I knew this wasn't going to yeah, happen. It seems harsh, but yeah. Well, you you have problems committing to something, and with there with there being couldn't find the shirt. I with wanted. there being ten yeah. or fifteen different shirts out there, it was impossible for you uh-huh. to narrow it down. So you didn't get one. Okay, fair. So I, I didn't did, like any of them. I got but a, okay, I got fair. a lion cat shirt. Here it is. Awesome, 
Oh, I love it. Oh, that's great. Great. Yeah, not the one I wanted. I'll tell you what. It was really easy to get. It's not hard to get, Tim. (laughs) I talked about this last episode. He's got commitment issues. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I saw a shirt in a comic shop like 10 years ago. That was a Saga shirt. It was a Lion Cat shirt. And it was so perfect. And I've just been hunting that shirt. I can't find anything else. I've been hunting that shirt. You know what? I think I just need to give up on Lion Cat because that Isabel shirt is awesome. It I is want awesome. that shirt. That is amazing. It is. Thank you. Yeah, it's, she's iconic. Uh, you know, she's one of my favorite characters. Uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. But also a good Lion Cat shirt, Tim. Thank but you. that's not the one that Thank I've you. been searching for. So I, I saw that one, did not pull the trigger on it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And by searching, you mean... Sitting at home doing nothing, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. searching like the internet, waiting for someone to mail you that shirt. Like, well, I have to actually find it on the internet and then purchase it. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah. I get you. Okay, it's all good. It's yeah. all good. I hope by the Is time it? it's fine. Oh, it's totally fine. <laughs> I, I just it's fun to give you a hard time about it, but I and I will every every volume just so you. Of know. course, but yeah. It, it would course. be it would be fun. If by the end or somewhere, you know, eventually down the line, if I found you, it, you found that shirt and you got your hands on that shirt, yeah. it'll just be that shirt. That's the one I'm looking for. That's fine. That would come as a great surprise to all of us here. Yeah. And if you can't find it, you get it tattooed on you instead. <laughs> there you go. I was thinking hey. that. I was thinking, what if I came with a tattoo <laughs> right on my chest? So you, you said you did that bit of me ripping off my shirt and I had Lion Cat on my chest. That would be pretty dramatic. Uh, pretty dramatic. Yeah. yeah. That'd be pretty awesome. For an audio podcast. Pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, Look pretty at this solid listener. visual bit. <laughs> yeah. We could just pretend that happened, right? Let's yeah, edit it right. out and then be like, whoa, what a great tattoo. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> All right, so now let's get into what we thought about this. Tony, I'll start with you, just kind of high level. How did this volume hold up for you uh, versus the first three? I feel like this volume um, kind of brought in a lot more um, interpersonal conflict and is kind of a harder read, to tell you the truth, uh, especially where they kind of leave you off at, too. Um, I enjoyed everything because it's Saga, but I would say this is kind of like a bit of a turn in um, mood uh, for 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 the comic and especially for the family unit because this is all about a split up. So I like it a lot, but it is um, rather rough. You know, we're hitting we're hitting some turbulence. Um, not that there hasn't been turbulence in the first three volumes, but this is a different, you know, um, more um, rooted emotional turbulence within what would be like the trusted family circle. So, right, Jeremy, um, do you think that, like, by this point here in number four, it's getting better? So. I think that this is one of the weaker volumes for me. And I I don't think it's because that it's bad in any way. Um, I just think maybe um, the the focus on like them having marital trouble is less adventurous than like them escaping like certain death right like right. So it maybe I'm just less interested, but I will tell you it's it's very relatable. Like um, with a with a with a tinge of a, with a tinge of stereotype in there, but like the characters are humanized like really well and and struggling with um, infidelity and or struggling with being a staying a stay at home parent, uh, struggling with all those feelings of being the 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 sole wage earner. I mean, those are all human experiences that I think are really relatable to a lot of people. So very relatable volume, just less adventurous, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, what about you, Dean? Yeah. I, uh, I really love this volume. Um, it would be hard for me to sort of rank the volumes, but, uh, I really loved it because I haven't read comics a lot in the last, since we've covered the last one, I haven't read a lot of comics. So, um, just jumping back into like a comic that I absolutely love just brought me all that joy back, even though this isn't really like that joyous of a volume. Um, I think there's, you know, there's different types of stories I like. I really, really like, you know, the action adventure type stories. And then I do like the just 
the real ones, you know, the ones that make you hurt a little bit, the ones that you can relate to. And, you know, maybe they remind you of a memory that isn't that great of your own. And I, I just like those stories that can make you make you feel. And uh, I think this was that volume for me. And I think it was slowly getting to this point. I think it was high action at the beginning. I think last volume took it back a bit, slowed it down a bit. And it was still, we still all really enjoyed that one. And I think this one even went even more, you know, this one pulled it all the way back and said, okay, let's get into some like real problems that these, this family could be having. And I really appreciated it for that. Um, So I, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite volume, um, but I I definitely loved reading it this time. Nice. Uh, I guess I will be the one to go out on a limb here and say, I think this was my favorite volume. Uh, Awesome. Which I understand why you know, nobody else might feel that way because of, you know, what's going on in it. But they really dug into some stuff that I really like in the world, in the universe of, of Saga. And they, they got into that. And then I found that it was just like the, the most um, like page turning one for me. I kind of flew through this faster than any of the other ones. Um, I, I would say that some of my like most beloved moments are in other volumes, but as a whole, I really liked what was going on in this volume. Um, what I did read was that this volume four is the start of book two. So volumes one, two, and three comprise book one. This is the start of book two, which is three volumes. So it did sort of have a bit of that feel like they're starting almost in a way a new story. They're kind of like ramping up for something new. So I think that's why it felt a little bit off, but um, I really did enjoy it. So uh, this volume. Oh, go ahead, Tony. Oh, I was just going to say, I totally agree with you um, f- flying through it because I was rereading it and I was like, well, I'll just do like two issues a night or something like that. And then I read all six. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, it went fast. Yeah, it went, it went fast. Definitely. I'm so glad you liked it, Tim. Uh, I, I worry about you the most and Saga. So I'm, I'm really <laughs> glad you liked that. it. Yeah. I think I've been hanging on. Like, I've been the one <laughs> off the helicopter hanging on to the bar, you know, yeah. trying to crawl crawl in. And like, because everybody else is having so much fun in the helicopter. <laughs> and this, I feel like I crawled in in this, this volume. So yeah. I'm happy to be there with you guys. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So this was released in 2014. It comprises issues 19 through 24, and as we always state, written by Brian K. Vaughn, and everything art-related is done by Fiona Staples. Now, here is my synopsis that is only slightly better than Tony's, (laughs) but this is just an overall on Saga. If you have no idea what Saga is, this is what I'm giving to you. Saga depicts a husband and wife, Alana and Marco, from long-warring extraterrestrial races who are fleeing authorities from both sides of a galactic war as they struggle to take care of their daughter, Hazel. All right. Now, the way we're going to do this is we're going to just have me give a short description of issue one, and then we'll dig into that issue in greater detail, and then the same goes for the other issues after that. Now, quite a start to this volume. (laughs) <laughs> uh, as we see Prince Robot 4's wife giving birth to a son, Tony's pulling it up. My it's, filter is messing it up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we know what it is. It's burnt into our brains. <laughs> we don't even need to look at it. It's, um, yeah, it's just a full page zoomed in spread of her. <laughs> there it is. He pulled it up on the screen. <laughs> it's a full page spread zoomed in of Prince Robot's wife giving birth and the head of their baby is has popped out and there's blue fluid everywhere and there's uh, some orifices that we can see and it's just, it's right there. And, you know, it, it was fun because when you open that up and that's the first page, you don't even really know what you're looking at. You have <laughs> yeah, to like adjust yeah, it's really, your it eyes. Looks, yeah, it looks strange. Like you're yeah. like, what, what is going on here? I, I see a, a head and a, and a, you know, a... Uh, um a screen, but I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so it was a really, um, really fun way to start. Uh, Prince Robot, though, he's MIA. He's not there to see this. We see Marco and Hazel playing at a park, and Marco's face is all bandaged up like Darkman to disguise himself. I thought that was funny. Uh, we see that Hazel has also aged. She's a toddler and can talk now. 
Marco meets a girl at the park, Ginny. He seems attracted to her. We get to see that Alana works for Open Circuit, which is that wrestling soap opera VR program that I think we all really enjoyed from, uh, I believe it was the last volume. Then we see Alana and Marco get in an argument, and the issue ends with a narration from Hazel that says, this is the story of how my parents split up. So, Jeremy, um, what's your take on issue one or, or what, you know, what was maybe your favorite part or what, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to talk about? Sure. Um, well, this is uh, the issue where we're introduced w- to the problems that they're going to have, the storylines that are going to be causing uh, of the eventual confrontation further on. Um, you get uh, uh, Marco is challenged with infidelity and... Um, Traditionally, now, I don't remember in the world of Saga if they put the stereotype of women are in charge of childcare or not. But um, you definitely get the feel that Marco doesn't feel cut out to be taking care of Hazel by herself. And so this person offers a feminine kind of support that would normally be I don't know if it's in Saga, but normally be um, done uh, by Alana. So, you know, he's having these these feelings of maybe inadequacy. And then Alana, on the other hand, is being challenged with the, the, the sole wage earner and going through uh, the anxiety and difficult uh, feelings and weight of what that means to her family. Uh, so this kind of sets the foundation and the stage for that. I thought that Ginny was an interesting looking character. Uh, she's like a bat kind of character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that in order to stay, uh, to protect his privacy, he uses his dad's name, Barr, introduces himself mm-hmm. as Barr. That's interesting. Um, and then I love, I still love the wrestling VR thing. That is same. very, very cool. And um, yeah. Uh, pretty decent uh, issue. The, the the problems are subtle, but you can see things kind of breaking. Yeah, that wrestling VR, uh, the open circuit, that's one of the things that I really, really liked previously. And to see how much they dug into that world in this volume was one of the things that pushed it over the edge for me. Yeah, and I love that they dug into the open circuit world without really still telling us exactly what it is and exactly like how it kind of functions. So I'm still just like watching it or watching it. I'm still like reading it and just thinking like, what what is this? Like, what is the show? What part is the show and what part is not the show? And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun every time they were doing any of that stuff. I was just totally into it and really just like, uh, yeah, I would probably watch this too. And now they're talking to the audience. You know, totally. now they're like engaging with you. What is this? Like, this is interesting stuff. That's a good Absolutely. point because there is one part where I actually couldn't tell if it was behind the scenes or it was part of yeah. the show. And yeah. uh, they just completely fooled me with it. It was really, really neat. Yeah. Uh, Tony, anything on issue one? Um, I think you guys kind of said everything that, I mean, I really, again, uh, like the the wrestling soap opery show. Um, one thing that kind of sticks out to me is the boss that tried to fire her really looks like a version of master splinter. hundred percent. And, and, uh, yeah, I really like that. If that's an homage or just a weird coincidence or whatnot, it's great. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that's for me, what I really liked about the issue was digging in more to, to uh, the circuit and her being um, zipless. I love that name. Yeah. Like <laughs> uh, it's great. And I, I love her outfit and her oh, yeah. long yeah. fake hair wig thing and kind of want one of those for myself. That'd be sweet. Yeah. So for sure. I like that Marco's all bandaged up to hide himself. And Alana also has to hide herself, but she's able to do it in these costumes that uh, she portrays all these different characters. in. so it's like, her her job has like a built-in, you know, filter for hiding herself, which was smart. Um, I would also be remiss if I didn't if we didn't talk just a second about the context that they give the robot world in the beginning after the the birth of the child. I was about to uh, say how, that, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that is that's really cool. First of all, they do it with some really interesting frames. Like it looks like a Christmas tree, or no, no, it's a um, a mobile, a baby mobile, and there are balls on there, and they, you know, it's just it's really great, a great way to introduce this. And then one of the things, and I I don't know if I've said this before with the other three volumes, but I love the idea of um, the robot world. Okay, a world full of robots that are technically, I mean. They're robots, so they're basically technology, but they're so like backwards, medieval type uh, of, of, of beings, and that contrast is just really interesting and cool. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, they let us know that the robots are from a planet that orbits both wreath and landfall. So all we've known yes. is, you know, there's wreath and. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if I'll get this right, but I think Wreath is, Landfall's the planet and Wreath is the moon. Is that correct? Anybody know? I, th- I think so. Yeah, and I think so. So they're they're warring against each other. And we know that the robots are there because we've seen them, but we didn't know where they came from. And now we learn that their planet orbits both of those. So very, very neat uh, piece of backstory to give us. Yeah. Yeah. And did you guys see the cows? How the yes. cows have little robot or little <laughs> oh, screen heads. I, it's I so missed cool. That. I did not notice that's that. That's awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I love that the cows had screen heads as well. It's oh, just, yeah, it's so, so smart. Good. Like, they're robots, but they all have screen heads. Everybody has a screen head. It's just, yeah, I absolutely love it. Oh, it's so neat. Oh, uh, that's awesome. So we do get a little bit out of Isabel and Clara in this volume, but for the most part, they're like holding down Fort at the ship while Marco and Alana are out and about. So um, they're, they some okay stuff with them, but I felt like they're a bit of an afterthought in this volume. Also, um, Tim, the, the seeds of Dengo are also presented here too. Uh, we're just introduced to this commoner that's upset with how his life is going. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so issue two, we find Prince Robot 4, He's on Sextillion, and he doesn't remember who he is. We see Alana working at Open Circuit, and she finds out that most of the cast are using a drug called Fade Away, and she starts taking it as well. Marco decides to take Ginny up on her offer to give Hazel dance lessons. Then we meet, or I guess we get more of this character, Dango, and he basically takes over the rest of this issue. So, Tony, I feel like everything in this issue was overshadowed by Dango and and what he does, but what are your thoughts on the issue? I really like, again, the circuit stuff. I really like that they use uh, wrestling terminology, and this is where you guys had mentioned previous about the, like, is this happening for real or behind the scenes? I believe the fake out is in this issue where you're not sure if what you're reading is happening on show or happening, you know, on the set behind the scenes. Um, so I really like that they uh, did that, like kind of tricked me. Uh, uh, again, I've read this before, but, you know, uh, it's been a while and I forgot and and that was fun. And then again, you get to her landing on the mattress and then Master Splinter or whatever the boss's name is <laughs> saying, you know, uh, like something like way to take a bump. And uh, bump is what a wrestler takes, you know, it's uh, when mm. they fall um, and, in, in a match and stuff like that and make it look like they got hurt and stuff. So I think that's really cool that they incorporate that terminology. So. Um, I know the end of the issue all overshadows that, um, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, I really liked, yeah, the end of the issue does over, overshadow that, but, uh, I really liked everything to do with the circuit. I could read like a spinoff comic just about that. Yeah, I would for sure. Yeah. I I did like how, um, fade away this drug that they're taking. Um, I kind of looked at that sort of like the epidemic of steroids in the WWF way back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, just that everybody's taking this drug and, and the new person also wants to take the drug. So uh, I thought that was just another small thing that made it feel like the wrestling world. So uh, I thought that was just a good touch, yeah. but 
Um, who, who's going to tell us about Dango? Dean, do you want to tell us about Dango? I want to talk about Fadeaway more. So. Okay, you talk about Same. Fadeaway. Oh, I'll talk about I also Dango want to talk about Fadeaway. You guys go ahead about a Fadeaway, <laughs> and I'll uh, collect my thoughts on Dango. Well, I'll, I'll let Dean go ahead and start, and then I'll, have, okay. I'll say what I have to say. Uh, I just really like the progression that happens. It just starts here. It starts with Alana here with the fadeaway, but I like where we're in to get like how we slowly have more and more. She starts taking it more because Alana is so genuine. You know, she's such a genuine character. She's always speaking her mind. And sometimes, you know, that she's just says what's on her mind and that offends people. And she does that in her show. And that almost gets her fired. I mean, it does get her fired. And then she gets a second chance. So she has to all day at work be someone she doesn't want to be. So that's, I think, what's really, uh, really, really weighing on, wearing her down. And when she gets this, you know, just this thought of, oh, fade away, this, the idea of this drug, um, that's something she wants to take. So she can just, you know, make that day easier, make all this, all this uh, having to suppress who you really are all day makes her forget about it. You know, it's not that big a deal anymore. And I like that that was the entry for her into, into this fadeaway drug. Yeah, plus, you know, she's uh, not seeing her husband. She's not seeing her daughter. She's going through all this extra pressure. My comment about Fade Away is going to be the art uh, that's being used. I really like the progression when she first takes it. Um, you see her, she's like, a, it's a frame. She's normal. Then there's a frame where there's three different frames, and she's kind of over it. And in the background, there's getting color. And then you come down, and soon the bottom one is just a bunch of, like, uh, like cracked, like, like uh, frame and that's really interesting and that all fades into this giant uh, full page portrait of her having a a very good time it seems uh on this drug um all very uh you know very colorful and and and, and artsy so i really like that transition with with some choice words (laughs) oh yes it says yes uh for the kids it says fuck yes in all bubble (laughs) letters and she's nude uh but she's covering up the uh, important bits so we're okay I also uh, wanted to talk about this. This is one of the things um, I think we're, we're in sync here, Jeremy, with this with this issue and what we're liking, because uh, you've got the the images pulled up on screen right now. If you could just go back to the first the first page there, I'm always fascinated with how artists kind of convey drug trips and comics. Uh, we've done a lot of coverage of Deadly Class, which has a lot of it. And it, it's some of Dean and I's just most loved stuff in those comics is how the artist does that. So that's happening here. She's taking this drug and, you know, I was interested on how the artist would, you know, portray this. So what I like about this first, it's only two pages, you know, it's very short, it's very sweet, but the first page you've got like four layers of panels. The first panel is like, it's a full picture and it's just her normal and then the next like strip of panels down is three it's broken into three instead of one and you can see yeah there's like some weird psychedelic stuff going on in the background then below that another kind of equal size strip but instead of three panels it's now five panels and there's no more color it's just white behind her and then below that it's broken into what do we got two four six eight ten 12, 14, maybe 16 fragmented panels. So it's a really cool way to show her kind of like break from reality or her her like disassociation with the world. And in that last part there, you can see she's starting to put her thumb in her mouth <laughs> already. <laughs> right. And she's... then, yeah, if you then go to the next, the next one there, uh, like you guys said, it's just, it's fuck off in giant like, it looks like it was almost made out of balloons. Like if you made balloon animals say fuck off and she's upside down floating in the fetal position, naked, sucking her thumb, which just shows like she's obviously found a very pleasant place. And this is a very pleasant drug. So in two pages, I thought they did a really good job of conveying to us, you know, what this drug might be like and also why, you know, these people are so addicted to it and why Alana, you know, continues to do it. So that was good. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the reference to steroids, and when you did, I was like, "This doesn't look like steroids." <laughs> I well, know, I you know. I know you did it because it was like the the, the rampant drugs that uh, wrestlers take, but yeah. like I was thinking, no, this is more of like something to relax. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. And also, I think this might uh, also be painkillers because wrestlers True. definitely right. use a ton well, of painkillers as well. And 
one thing they mentioned, like, uh, I think f- as we go further in is like, oh, I, I need some, I'm filming a blank commercial or whatever. And, you know, I need to get through it. And that would be uh, a wrestling thing. Like, hey, I've got a match coming up and this hurts. Uh, I'm going to take some painkillers so I can get through right. it. So, yeah. yeah. So I guess I'll be the one to talk about Dango because nobody else um wants to <laughs> a dango took my baby um there you uh, go boo. Boo, boo. Uh, i'll see so, myself up <laughs> so dango is a robot he's a lowly janitor and he goes to see prince robot's wife who has this newborn and they really lay the story on thick here for this janitor and the suffering that he's gone through and it's all based around his four-year-old son who died um, because there's not a lot of support for the lower class. You know, the robots at the top, they're all rich. It's kind of like, a, uh, I don't know, there's like a king and, and a queen and the prince and the princes and stuff like that. And they, they're all loaded and rich and they have armies. But then you go down to this janitor and they don't have basic like health care. And his son drank some bad water got diarrhea and died from that so he's here you know to talk to her about that and you immediately feel very bad for this guy and prince robot's wife even you know felt bad and out of nowhere he's got this broom and he pulls half of the broom out revealing that he's got like a knife on one half of it and he stabs her through the head killing her and he takes this baby. This was such a shocker moment for me. I loved it. I had to pause. I was like, did that just happen? Because Prince Robot 4 is such a large character and his wife has been in this quite a bit herself. To see her just get offed in this moment, I was very interested in like what was going on here. And uh, I thought that was a really great moment in the book. Yeah, especially having her stick up for Prince Robot the Fourth in the in the previous issue, where I thought something was interesting that they were gonna call the baby Prince Robot the Fourth. Like he wasn't gonna be the fifth; it was gonna be Prince Robot the Fourth. But she said, "You can't name him that because Prince Robot the Fourth is still out there. You know, he's still alive, so you can't name you can't name our kid that his name." And so she's sticking up for him, and then to have her die here, you know, without him even coming back home. Uh, Yeah, it was very, very shocking. Yeah, so we'll move on to issue three. So Alana shoots a scene on Fadeaway, and she does so well that she gets a raise. After being fired, you know, earlier and kind of like begging for her job back, she's now getting a raise. She's doing so good. Marco, Hazel, and Frendo, their pet walrus, are now at Ginny's house playing with her kid. The robots uh, have found Prince Robot's wife, and they are after Dango, but they seem greatly outmatched by him. This guy's a real powerhouse. He rips a guy's spine out. Then we see him shoot another guy's face off. He seems very powerful, very, you know, evil. Then we head over to Sextillion, and the owner, Mama Sun, decides to, like, revive Prince Robot out of whatever state he's in where he doesn't remember who he is and they let him know that his wife is dead but she tells him that his son of 21 days is also missing robot 4 receives the news pulls out his blaster and blasts mama son through the chest then says he has to go see king robot so dean there was a lot going on in this issue but uh, what did you like oh yeah this one this one had a lot to it um there was a lot of things that uh, there's a lot of things that kind of stuck out for me, but again, I'm was sort of hanging on the Prince Robot stuff uh, that happened here at the end. Um, I was really like, you know, having him. There was a conversation before between Mama Son uh, about like whether they should tell him he had a son or not, and uh, they decided not to because it's you know it's good for business. So you know, she ends up dying for that choice, um, which is an interesting call here um, for her to him to just realize that she hadn't told him that he had a son and blasting her in the chest. Um, Yeah. 21 days, like also a long time period. Like we don't really have a, 
uh, a frame of reference of how many days are going by in the time. So just to know that it's been 21 days that he's been sitting there at least, you know, at least sitting in that room for 21 days. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's wild that he was in there for so long. And then, uh, you know, to see him revived and get back on his feet, get going here. It's, uh, it's the way it, it, it excites me, you know, for the next issue to see him up and see what he's going to be angry. His wife is, his wife is dead and he's just been sitting in this room. So that's, uh, that's what kind of stuck with me in this issue. Yeah, well, he wasn't just sitting in that room, Dean, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know. But yeah. like, does he even know what was going on? No, probably <laughs> yes, not. Well, I know. I mean, if if a lady with a giant beaver tail can't wake you up, I mean, you're you're pretty gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought Dango looked great. Um, his character design here, because he's got this belt of old grenades that you'd find from like the 1970s and they kind of counter that with his gun which looks so futuristic and cool uh, i just thought it was just a really great look for the character I, i'm really digging him like that that is a toy that i would pick up if i saw dango i'd be very happy with that absolutely no that's that's a really cool and he's got uh you know the face on his screen is kind of creepy and he's holding a spine that's insane I would, well i yeah, love the face that. on his screen is like a children's program because he wants he wants the baby to watch the screen Absolutely. and i just i love that he's doing like he's got the gun the head he's like predator style ripped out someone's <laughs> spine just holding it there yeah. he looks like so badass just tearing everyone apart but baby the baby has to watch the screen so he's got this children's program on his screen it's awesome now, issue four. My goodness, what the hell is going on in the first page of issue four? Like, if you thought the start of issue one <laughs> was something, I mean, this might even be wilder, in my opinion. This is just bananas. We have it is bananas. We don't we don't really know we don't really know that it's Isabel quite yet, but it is Isabel, and she she can like morph into different forms she's i mean my goodness she's how do i describe this it's it's a girl she's wearing some sort of like fancy gold like flowered helmet um she says oopsie i made a universe and her skirts pulled up we can see her ass and she's pooping or farting out a universe and she's on roller skates she has like hot knee high socks and fishnet stockings. And I mean, the look on her face sells it for me. Like she's like, it really does look like she's going, oops, uh, whoops. Uh, my goodness. I, I love that we live in a world where someone's imagination like came up with this idea and said, we got to get this in the book. It's, it's really <laughs> fascinating. Again, another very like startling page to start, <laughs> start this issue yeah. with. Can you imagine the room where they were talking about this? Because he's got to describe this, right? Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, you want me to draw what? How does it become an in joke? Does it does it become like, um, oh, I've got to, so I, I got to go make a universe real quick? Oh or... yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, exactly. But great on I like. I just, I like the fact that it's it's that it's it is this idea that you know oh you know the universe is just an accident it's just some like giant uh you know giant creatures fart but the thing that's like really funny to me is that it's like basically the babysitter teaching it to a two-year-old <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. that's what's super funny um i can't i can't believe it i i was not expecting it to be isabel yeah, no, exactly. No, it's just like, sorry, we were just debating the origins of existence. <laughs> uh, it's a, a great start, a great start. Uh, then we see Alana is recording another scene at Open Circuit, but she's all kind of like whacked out now on drugs, and she forgets her line and has to improvise a line. And what she does is she takes a line that she's memorized out of Oswald Heist's book. And as it turns out, one of the people watching the show and who picks up on it is the journalist Upshur that we've seen in previous volumes. And uh, it kind of piques his attention. But that's that's all that he's in this volume for is just for that. Right. They're just doing a clever foreshadowing. Exactly. So they can explain something that's going to happen later. Yeah. 
Then Prince Robot 4 gets to King Robot. And holy shit, did I laugh at this? Oh I can't God. I can't wait to talk about him. <laughs> uh, but he's not happy with Prince Robot's results for the mission that he was on. And he doesn't want him involved in the search for his son. But Special Agent Gale comes in afterwards and tells Four he wants to help and can track Dango's ship. Then we see Marco and Alana. They get in another argument over her doing fadeaway and him saying Ginny's name in his sleep. He throws a bag of groceries at her and she yells at him to leave. Then Dango shows up at open circuit demanding to be put on TV and then killing Alana's co-star and her boss. So I want to circle back here to King Robot, who was just the best. Like, <laughs> yes. out of the pages, out of the pages that have been, like, mind blowers so far, this is my favorite. Because it's not, it's not graphic, but it is so fucking funny to just open. And this is a two-page spread. This is a big one. But it is. we know the robots. They all have screens for heads, you know, maybe like 13-inch monitors. They're all normal size, like the size of your that your head might be, maybe a little bit bigger. King Robot is rocking like an 80-inch flat screen on his head. <laughs> and, like, you look at him, and I'm waiting for him to topple over to one side under the weight <laughs> of this thing. But then they give him some really thick and powerful legs, and it looks like he has been walking around <laughs> With this TV on his head for like, you know, 30 years and has these giant quads. Uh, I just thought this was such a great image. I laughed so hard at this. Now, Tim, they could have just put him on one page. Right. But to, <laughs> ma to make their point, they needed both pages. They do it, it justice. Great. Yeah, they do it justice. They do. It barely fits, too, on two pages. It's so big. And he's got this beautiful so waterfall on it. It's like everybody else has these weird... <laughs> images on their screen all the time prince robots often like ha has people having sex or just like phallic stuff and this guy's just got this beautiful waterfall man he looks looks, looks majestic i love it it's so great they drop the name king robot before and you're like "Ooh, what's king robot gonna be like <laughs> you don't expect this <laughs> never huge flat screen and i also love that everything he says is in all caps so it seems like he's shouting it yeah. and that just yes. fits with that big screen hell yeah uh, so good. such a, such a disappointed father too he plays that role very well <laughs> Yes, such a disappointed father. And you can never fit that huge screen in any other panel. Like, you need those two pages. I love that they don't even try to fit it in any other panel. It's always no, hanging off the side. It's, always, it's always just a piece of it in there. <laughs> so good. I love it. So is he teleporting in this last panel? Yeah, I think I so. Think I think so. He, he's Looks teleporting. Like it, yeah. yeah, It's interesting. Because he, he actually physically you know, hit Prince Robot. So he's there. He's actually there. So he must be teleporting away. Uh, any anything else on that issue from anybody? Yeah, I did. I did quickly want to go back to just the beginning when uh, Alana kind of you know messes up her line, uses a line from the book, and here's where she start is going to start to get extremely defensive um, about taking fade away because obviously this is a problem. Obviously, using a line from this book is a problem, and she would think it was a problem. You know, Alana from a different volume would think this is a problem, and she needed to you know sort of watch her back. But she just immediately gets defensive because she doesn't want the drug to have made her do that. She doesn't want to admit that, you know, it's a she, she ha, she's taking it and it's a problem. So uh, I really like the start here. And then later on, when she's sort of uh, confronted by Marco, she obviously gets defensive there as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I like I like this beginning, just starting with the line that she messes up, um, which is obviously a big deal. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. When uh, in this in this issue, uh, you know she kicks Marco out of the house because he throws the groceries at her for being upset that he has discovered that she's been doing these drugs, uh, like not in front, like at, she's been high in front of Hazel and that upsets Marco and, and, and she kicks him out after Marco throws the vegetables at her. Yeah. So issue five, Marcus goes to Ginny's house after Alana has told him to leave. Dango, runs into Yuma, who we haven't talked about yet, but Yuma is like the costume designer at Open Circuit and has befriended Alana in this volume and is the one that Alana is getting drugs from. So 
Dango runs into her at open circuit and Yuma throws Alana under the bus by telling Dango all about Alana, all about Marco, all about Hazel, uh, and who they are. And Dango shoots Yuma anyways. He's like, I don't care. That's not, that's not information that helps me. Then Dango tracks down Alana and Marco's ship. He goes in, he grabs Hazel. Alana gets the ship to blast off. So Hazel falls out of Dango's arms. But when the ship steadies, Dango grabs Clara instead. Then we see that Yuma is still alive and finds Marco looking for the ship, which is now gone. And then Prince Robot shows up where Yuma and Marco are looking for Dango. So, Jeremy, what do you want to touch on in this issue? Well, this issue, they're uh, getting us ready for uh, the final issue, honestly. They're really advancing the, the, the storylines. Um, once again, Dengo looks really powerful, and uh, they're obviously having a lot of trouble handling the situation. Um, you feel bad because you knew maybe if Marco was just there in time, right? Because you kind of see that um, so uh, Hazel... Uh, left one of her toys at Ginny's house, and that snaps Marco out of, um, out of like kissing Jenny or advancing with Jenny because he sees this toy and remembers, oh, I have a family and Hazel, I can't be doing this. Uh, Hazel's got to have her baby toy, right? So she go, he goes and grabs it, and we we're as an audience, we're we're like, oh, here's a great chance for them to get back together and, for, and, you know, apologize and stuff. But we are, um, Dengo takes us, steals that from us, right? That chance. And so when it ends and now we're, uh, we have a confrontation between uh, Marco and Prince uh, Four, we're kind of now a cliffhanger, right? We, we're very anxious. Uh, we anticipate that next issue. Yeah. Tony, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a really good... Um, uh, what's the word uh, for right before the end, like the episode Pen right before penultimate. Yeah. I think this is a great penultimate issue um, for uh, this volume and it's, it's got a lot of action in it. And honestly, um, the, the setup I think it is, is masterful in the way that it's just like what snaps Marco out of almost you know, committing infidelity and gets him to go back, but just a moment too late or, or, you know, a couple. And yeah, I just, I really like this issue start to finish and it leaves on a cliffhanger that I don't really think the next issue touches too much on, um, which is both fun and frustrating. Like, at, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Um, just to touch on Ginny's character um, f for a second, does anyone else get the feeling that like she's not on the level, that there's something just a little bit fishy about her? A little bit. She does seem to really heavily pursue Marco. Yeah, I, I felt there's something yeah. a bit weird in there. And Hazel, there is a narration from Hazel that says a lot of people who come into my family's life looking like heroes ended up acting more like villains. And she says that sort of near the end here where Marco goes to see her at her house. I was sort of picking up on it earlier. I felt like, yeah, she was being far too courteous and helpful. Um, so I, I don't I don't know if that goes anywhere, but I could see her manipulating Marco for different reasons, possibly. Hmm. But Sure, but yeah. I, I, I assume that you haven't had a lot of girls come on to you, Tim, uh, because that's the way it is. Like, you walk into a place and everybody is all over you. So uh, I, didn't see anything wrong, be, I didn't see anything wrong with be that. Correct about Your that, imagination Jeremy. is a great place, Jeremy. I would like to visit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience in the girls hitting on me uh, realm. <laughs> I tell you what, though, she did. If she hit on me, I'd be doing everything Marco's doing. That's for sure. I'd be, in, I'd be on board. She's a, she's a beautiful uh, bat person. I'll tell you that. Oh, much. I love beautiful bats. Bat purple, purple bat person. I'm very attracted yeah. to her in the comic. Yeah. 
I love, I love her design, and I also love Yuma's design, which I haven't yeah, mentioned yet. Yuma's so who good. is just like a a, a grass lump. Yeah, you know, yes. like everyone else is like kind of humanoid and kind of a an animal, and she's just a lump of grass. But great <laughs> face on really her. Love it. Great face. It does. Yeah. The face adds so much to her character. Just making her, yeah. making her feel like a character. Just that little face that they have. It's very nice. Yeah. And when and when she gets shot, like the face is kind of aimed down. So when she gets shot, she's just like a like actually a lump of grass on the ground. You wouldn't even know it's right. anything. You wouldn't even know it's like a being. Um. And I just yeah, I, I liked her design a lot. And then one one other thing I wanted to just touch on before I moved on from this issue is that Marco noticing the doll that's Hazel's. And uh, she's like back home throwing a fit and nobody knows what it's about. Nobody knows. She's saying the name of the doll and nobody knows what that means. But like Marco knew immediately just seeing it out of the corner of his eye. He's like, she will not be able to sleep without this. So I just really like that moment showing us that, you know, he is even if he has these doubts, he's this great parent. You know, he knows he knows exactly what his kid needs, exactly what his kid needs to go to sleep. And even everyone else who spends time with her doesn't know what she's talking about uh so i, I like that moment oh yeah that that connection uh yeah. and of course you know they're just building up for later but like yeah just quite a connection between hazel and marco it's pretty yeah. amazing yeah uh, a couple things yuma um she's one of the covers and it's a great cover it's yuma we see yuma's back and she's painting a picture and it's of yuma but of yuma's front <laughs> and the picture is painting the actual character of Yuma, who's the real character. Like there's a brush coming out of the painting. It's like this weird circle. And I, I was looking at it and I'm like, what is going on here? What, what are they trying to tell me? And I just, yeah. I, I didn't figure anything out. I was like, that's a really, really cool cover. <laughs> I like me neither. I like what's going on there, but I don't know what the, what the hell's going on, but um, drugs. Yeah. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one other thing, in this issue is that there was a really fun interaction with Isabel and Alana where Alana's venting about the horrors that she saw as a soldier. They're kind of having their drug talk too, because Isabel's challenging her about it. And yeah, Isabel says just a great line. She says, are you seriously trying to educate me on the cost of war? You realize I'm fucking dead. Correct. So I I I liked it. How she just like Alana doesn't even really know her argument. Right. She doesn't know. She doesn't realize her arguments off and she doesn't even really realize who she's trying to argue to. She's just like Dean said, she's just being very defensive. So uh, I like that. I like that kickback from uh, from Isabel there. Right. It's one of those statements that you could say, uh, who are you trying to convince? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the final issue, uh, we catch up with the brand who is out looking for the people who hurt her brother, the will in the last volume, the brand goes to Oswald heist's house and meets an adorable little seal man named goose. I hope I said that right. He's very particular. I think it's yes. goose. It's either it is goose. goose or goose or goose, something like that. <laughs> the, I like goose goose. Yeah. The brand continues on and tracks down Gwendolyn, Sophie and lying cat because they're using the Will's ship. Gwendolyn looks great. She's wearing the Will's cape. She's using his lance. This was awesome. And after a brief altercation, they all realize that they're on the same team and that they're all trying to help the Will. So they team up to search for ingredients for a formula that Gwendolyn knows will be able to heal the Will. And the main ingredient being dragon semen of course it is right of course, of course it of course is why the, would it be anything else why would it be anything else uh we learn yuma the lump of grass was married to oswald heist i thought this was neat so she goes back to oswald's house and chats with goose she knows goose has a link to animals and since he was the one who traded friendo the walrus to marco and alana Yuma wants him to help her track down the ship. So, Tony, I know you said that, you know, the previous issue sort of ended that storyline. This starts something completely different. Uh, They almost leave you with two cliffhangers in a way. Um, But 
how do you think that this last issue went down? I really like it. Um, again, I it doesn't resolve a lot of questions. You know, it, it leaves the cliffhanger from uh, the fifth issue in this volume, um, but it introduces new characters and what I believe, you know, uh, as I'm reading this, and I don't even remember what happens after this, even though I've read through, um, it's going to lead up to the storylines coming together. Um, and it's not really giving you answers other than on the last panel, a little bit of a resolution of it looks like um, Marco and Prince Robot 4 are working together, you know, because they have similar goals at this point. And outside of that, everything else is kind of like catch up on what hasn't been happening in this volume um, at all. And so I find that interesting. I really actually like that they did this, but I remember um, when reading it being like, oh, awesome. I, I have to wait months before they start their next arc. Yeah. Yes. You know? So, um, again, I like it now that it's, you know, we're, we're, we're well past it, but I do remember at the time, um, having some frustration. So what jerks leaving us in a lurch like that for months? (laughs) Are you kidding me? We don't even know if Hazel's safe. We've got no idea what's happening. We got that anxiousness. Give me the next episode or next issue. Wow. This is why I like to wait until there's. Uh, 50 issues of a comic out <laughs> before I start reading. Right, yeah. <laughs> Good fair. Keep going Tim. to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Uh, yeah. I uh, I think it shows how uh, good the comic is um, when, you know, their characters are so good. Every character. I just, like, love things about them. I, I always want to see every character on the page. Um, it just makes me so excited when there's new team-ups. I think that tells how good it is because I'm just excited for different characters to team up together and have a different group. And to know, to like see, first of all, to just see Gwendolyn, Sophie, and Lion Cat again, which we haven't seen the entire issue. One of my favorite groups that we've, we've gone with so far in this book. To see them again and have them have, you know, a kick-ass issue that kind of starts off this new story. Uh, fantastic. Really pumped about it. And then just at the end to see the Marco and Prince Robot, the fourth, you know, team up. Unexpected. The unexpected team up that makes me excited because I know a lot about both these characters. I like both these characters. Uh, so this, although it is, you know, a, a, a strange issue to to leave off because we thought we were leading up to something. We thought we were leading up to a conclusion and we didn't get that. We got a different story. This one does keep me very excited. You know, it keeps me just so wanting that next one to come out. I would be looking forward to whenever that next one hit the stands. Thankfully, I have it in the book right beside me. I can just uh, get to it right right away, right after this. But uh, yeah, it's just it's a very exciting last issue for me. I, lo- I loved it. Yeah, it's like they have the in Peanuts when she has the football there, right? And you're right. going, going up to Charlie Brown's going to go, okay, nah, right. we're going to wait. <laughs> There's two penultimate uh, issues. It, it it really feels like another like another issue five, um, but in a good way. So yeah, yeah, I, I really, I really li- oh, go ahead, Jeremy. Okay, I I was like I really like uh, them uh, putting so much brand in here. I think that's such a cool character. And um, and like Dean said, uh, having Gwendolyn, uh, Gwendolyn and uh, and Sophie kind of team up like that is really great. Having those two together, th- those two groups. Yeah, I was really on board with the cliffhanger of Prince Robot Four and Marco teaming up at the end there. Uh, for the first time in the issue, Marco takes his Dark Man mask off, and it's just his face. And Man, these two guys couldn't look cooler, in my opinion. Like, the the outfit that Prince Roba has decided to wear is just, like, this completely black and gray outfit. He looks incredible. His screen has a bolt of lightning across it. Like, he's pissed off. Marco's got a sword and shield. He looks great. Oh, yeah. I'm just so excited. With the bat on the shield. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Can't you guys see, like, back uh, ACDC back in black? Like playing oh, yeah. as as this is revealed. Yes, for yeah, sure. I'm just so excited to see them go out and just wreck some shit. It's gonna be great. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the brand is cool. Uh, we didn't get much from Lion Cat, who uh, I think we all love, but um, the brand has a dog that 
kind of knocked Lion Cat out. It it's it shot a couple of uh, darts out of its nose, and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of put Lion Cat down. But uh, hopefully, Lion Cat will be back for more in uh, the next volume. But yeah, that's uh, that's the end of uh, issue six. That's the end of the volume. So yeah, like I said, you know, starting this off, this one was my favorite. I just thought there was a lot of fun stuff in it. They took a lot of um, chances, I think. Um, they leave me quite interested to hit the next volume, maybe more so than any of the others. I'm kind of very excited to see where this goes, mostly for Robot 4 and Marco. I'm, I'm not so interested in this search for dragon semen. Um, I know it'll be cool, like the dragon will be cool, but this, this of, you know, any other book worries me about how we might go about finding that dragon semen. Um, this book will not be afraid to put a giant dragon penis on the page for us. So I'm a little bit worried where we go there, but um, I'm willing to deal you're with gonna it. Okay. You're going to love it, Tim. You're going to love it. Great. <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm I, I'm the opposite, Tim. I'm even more excited <laughs> to get into that the, that the ingredients dragon semen. I can't wait for this group to go find that. Yeah. We'll find In out. In what comic book can you find... Uh, robot vaginas and yeah. dragon penises, right? I just remember. Yeah. F- I think I'll just say quick. I just remember Fard from uh, Volume One or Two <laughs> exactly. and what they, des- <laughs> what they decided to show us with him. And I worry yeah. about I worry about oh, dragon semen. God. Oh god! Yeah. What What I love about this team is that like there are large gaps in between um, these volumes coming out, and I think they know that you know so that we we open up the we're we're ready for Saga, ready for it. We open it up. Yeah. Birth, Birth. childbirth, right there, first page. (laughs) Also, they, you know, kind of play with us with having Marco bandaged up because we don't know how much time's passed. So I actually thought, how did he get injured? What happened? What happened to him? And it's his lame disguise. disguise. (laughs) It's his his dark man disguise. (laughs) It's his dark man disguise. So I just like that. I like that they also play with us with the time. They know that it takes, you know, that everyone's going to be wanting to open that up. So, yes, I'm very excited to open up that first page and see what we see (laughs) next next volume. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, Tony, do you guys have anything else you wanted to say about the, the volume? No, you good? No, no, man. We really went through it. Um, Really, because everything's already been established, this is something where they get to expand the universe even more so, and I thought they did that in very creative ways. So, really like this volume. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Jeremy or Tony, uh, would one of you like to tell us about your podcast that I think everybody should listen to? Sure. Uh, we're Remote Takes, and we do a podcast about movies, particularly in theater movies, but we also do have a section where we discuss uh, old movies, one of some of our favorites. Um, I think we have a lot of fun. Uh, we don't have a large audience, but I think if you tune in and, uh, and listen to us, I think you'll find something you'll like. I agree with that. Me too. Oh, you can also you can find us anywhere where you get your podcast, Remote Takes, or... Um, you can even search us online. You'll, you'll find us right on. Please check out remote takes. It's a great podcast. I think everybody listening will enjoy them. If you like us, you'll like them. So it's that simple. Oh, thank you. And everybody listening, if you'd like to help support us here at talking back, there's a few ways you can do that. Uh, the easiest is just tell your friends about us, uh, share an episode that you like that'll spread the word. You can rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can leave a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com, or you can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com. Just search for Talking Back, and there's a few different tiers we have there. You know, for a couple bucks, you can get our monthly wrap-up. For five bucks a month, you can uh, get a couple episodes extra a month and unlock everything we have over there. So that's uh, what we recommend you do. And now that this episode is over... Don't worry, head on over to BFOPnetwork.com and check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like, or Dean will set out on a quest for dragon semen. I'll do it. (laughs) I might do it anyways. We'll see. Uh, See if you can find a shirt while you're there. Okay, I will. (laughs) To clean up, right? (laughs) Oh, 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 no. Gross. Gross. Uh, Jeremy, Tony, guys, thanks again for joining. This has been a blast as always. Can't wait for the next one. Oh, thank you for having us. Like we always have an amazing time here. Great laughs, good insights, good fun.
Yes. Thanks for having us. Dean, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.